Chapter Nine of the Fortunate Foundlings by Eliza Haywood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Nine: A Second Separation Between Horatio and Charlotta, with some other occurrences. The season of the year now having put an end to the campaign, and the French as well as the Confederate armies being retired to their winter quarters, the Baron de la Valliere who had always a special permission from the general, returned to Paris. Horatio promised himself much satisfaction in the renewed society of this friend, and no sooner heard he was on the road than he went to meet him. The baron, charmed with this proof of his affection and respect, received him as a brother, and there was little less freedom used between them. After the mutual testimonies and goodwill were over, de la valliere began to ask him concerning mademoiselle charlotta on which horatio acquainted him with her being removed from st germain and the occasion of it not omitting the arrogance with which old monsieur de coignet had behaved to her father and the resentment now between the families well said the baron but i hope you have been more successful at least with the young lady i will never more trust the intelligence of eyes if yours did not hold a very tender intercourse and i protest to you my dear horatio that amidst all the toils and dangers of war my thoughts were often at st germain not envying but congratulating the pleasures you enjoyed in the conversation of that amiable lady i doubt not replied horatio with a smile but we had you with us at a place which contained mademoiselle de coignet and I am of opinion she too was no less frequently in the camp with you, for in spite of all the reserve she affected while you were present, she never heard the bare mention of your name without emotions which were very visible in her countenance. I would not be vain, replied the baron, but I sometimes have flattered myself with the hope I was not altogether indifferent to her, though for two whole years that I have constantly made my addresses to her, I never could obtain one soft confession to ensure my happiness but let me know how you have proceeded on the score of mademoiselle charlotta believe me i am not so engrossed by my own affairs as not to give attention to those of a friend horatio who had been engaged by charlotta to preserve an inviolable secrecy in everything that had passed between them without any exception of persons would fain have turned the conversation on some other topic he truly loved the baron had the highest opinion of his discretion and would have trusted him with the dearest secrets of his life provided they related to himself alone but he had given his word his oath his honour to charlotta and durst not violate them on any consideration yet loath to refuse or to deceive his friend he found himself in the most perplexing dilemma as often as the other spoke of charlotta he answered with something of de coignet but all his artifice was ineffectual and the baron at last saw through it and assuming a very grave countenance i perceive horatio said he you do not think me worthy your confidence and i was to blame to press you to reveal what you resolve to make a mystery of these words made a very deep impression on the grateful soul of him they were addressed to and equally distressed between the necessity of either disobliging a person whose generosity he had experienced or falsifying the promise he had made to charlotta at last an expedient offered to his mind how to avoid both and yet not be guilty of injuring the truth 
alas my lord answered he you little know the heart of horatio if you imagine there be anything there that would hide itself from you i freely confess the charms of mademoiselle charlotta had such an effect on me that had i been in circumstances which in the least could have flattered me with success i should long ago have avowed myself her lover but when i reflected on the disparity between us the humour of her father and a thousand other impediments i endeavoured to banish so hopeless a passion from my breast and was the more confirmed in my resolution to do so by the ill-treatment monsieur de coignet received besides her removal from st germain depriving me in a great measure of those opportunities i had before of entertaining her might very well contribute to wean off a passion not settled either by time or expectation of ever being gratified and i hope continued he i shall always have so much command over myself as not to become ridiculous by aiming at impossibilities whether the baron gave any credit to what he said on this account or not he had too much politeness to press him any farther and the discourse soon after taking another turn horatio was very well pleased to think he had got off so well de la valliere having related to him some particulars of the late campaign which the public accounts had been deficient in they passed from that to some talk of the brave young king of sweden a topic which filled all europe with admiration but the french being a people in whom the love of glory is the predominant passion were more than any other nation charmed with the greatness of that prince's soul what indeed has any hero of antiquity to boast of in competition with this northern monarch who conquered and gave away kingdoms for the benefit of others disdaining to receive any other reward for all his vast fatigues than the pleasure of giving a people that person whom he judged most worthy to reign over them the baron who had attended the count de guiscard when he was residentiary ambassador from his most christian majesty at the swedish court had an opportunity of seeing more of this monarch than any other that horatio was acquainted with he therefore on his requesting it informed him how at the age of eighteen he threw off all magnificence forsook the pomp and delicacies of the court he had been bred in and undertook and completed the delivery of his brother-in-law the duke of holstein from the cruel incursions of the danes who had well-nigh either taken or ravaged the greatest part of his territories he also set forth in its proper colours the base part which peter alexovitz czar of muscovy and augustus king of poland acted against a prince who was then employing his arms in the cause of justice the latter of these bringing a powerful army to take from him one part of his dominions and the former at the head of ten thousand men were plundering the other but when he concluded his little narrative by reciting how this young conqueror with a handful of brave swedes animated by the example of their king put entirely to rout all that opposed him horatio felt his soul glow with an ardour superior even to that of love he longed to behold a prince who seemed to have all the virtues comprised in him and whose very thoughts as well as actions might be looked upon as supernatural he is however greatly to be pitied said the baron de la valliere that the wars he is engaged in and which in all probability will be of long continuance hinders him from the possession of the most amiable princess in the world and i dare answer at least if i may credit those about her 
she wishes he were of a less martial disposition he will the more be worthy of her cried horatio interrupting him and the immortal fame of his actions be a sufficient atonement for all the years of expectation that may be its purchase from the time horatio had this discourse with the baron the king of sweden was ever uppermost in his thoughts he had always reflected that in the station he was then it would be impossible to obtain any more of mademoiselle charlotta than her heart at least while the baron de palfoy lived and that a thousand accidents might deprive him of all hopes of ever being more happy but said he to himself were i among the number of those who attend this hero in his martial exploits i might at least have an opportunity of proving how far fortune would befriend me who knows but i might be able to do something which might engage that just and generous monarch to raise me to a degree capable of avowing my pretensions even to her father and the same blessed day that joined our principles might also make me blessed in the possession of my dear charlotta with these ideas did he often flatter himself but the manner in which he should accomplish his desires was yet doubtless to him the chevalier st georges treated him with so much kindness that he had no room to doubt his having a great share in his favour and was fully persuaded that if he communicated his intentions to him he would vouchsafe to give him letters of recommendation to a prince who was to be his brother-in-law but this he feared to ask lest it should be looked upon as ingratitude in him to desire to leave a court where he had been so graciously received and had so many favours besides the perquisites of his post heaped upon him not only by the chevalier himself but also by the queens and princesses who following the example of the late king behaved with a kind of natural affection to all the english he sometimes communicated his sentiments on this head to mademoiselle charlotta who was too discreet not to allow the justice of them and well knew that in the station her lover now was they never could be on any terms with each other than those they were at present her reason therefore and the advantage of her love made her sometimes wish he would follow the dictates of so laudable an ambition but then the dangers he must inevitably be exposed to in following a monarch who never set any bounds to his courage and the thoughts how long it might possibly be before she saw him again alarmed all her tenderness and he had the satisfaction of seeing the tears stand in her eyes whenever they had any discourse of this nature and though her words assured him that it was her opinion he could not take a more ready way to raise his own fortune yet her looks at the same time made him plainly see how much she would suffer in his taking that step many reasons both for and against following his inclination in this point presented themselves to him and he had no sooner as he thought determined for the one than the other rose with double vehemence and overthrew the former in this fluctuating situation of mind did he remain for some time and perhaps had done so much longer had not an accident happened which proved decisive and indeed left him no other party to take than that he afterwards did charlotta being now entirely mistress of herself gave him frequent meetings in the tuileries judging it safer to converse with him there than at the house of any person whom in such a case must be the confidant of the whole affair whereas if they were seen together in the walks it might be judged they met by accident 
and not give any grounds of suspicion which hitherto they had been so fortunate as to avoid it was in one of these appointments when entered into a very tender conversation they forgot themselves so far as to suffer the moon to rise upon them the stillness of the evening and the little company which happened to be there that night seemed to indulge their inclinations of continuing in so sweet a recess they were seated on a bench at the foot of a large tree when charlotta in answer to some tender professions he had been making said depend on this horatio that as you are the first who has ever been capable of making me sensible of love so nothing shall have power to change my sentiments while you continue to deserve or to desire i should think of you as i now do he shall not long continue to desire it cried a voice behind them and immediately rushed from the other side of the thicket a man with his sword drawn and ran full upon horatio who not having time to be upon his guard had certainly fallen a victim to his rival's fury had not a gentleman seized his arm and by superior strength forced him some paces back are you mad monsieur said he do you forget the place you are in or the danger you so lately escaped for an enterprise of this nature mademoiselle charlotta now a little recovered from her first surprise and knowing it was young monsieur de coignet who had given her this alarm had presence enough of mind to ask how he dared after he knew her own and her father's resolution to disturb her or any company she had with her he made no reply but reflecting that there were other ways than fighting by which he might be revenged went hastily away with that friend who had hindered him from executing his rash purpose but they could hear that he muttered something which seemed a menace against them both how impossible is it to express the consternation our lovers now were in they found by the repetition m de coignet made of the words she spoke that what they had so long and so successfully laboured to conceal was now betrayed betrayed to one who would not fail to make the most malicious use of the discovery and doubted not but the affair would become the general talk perhaps to the prejudice of charlotta's reputation but the least thing either could expect was to be separated for ever horatio full of disturbed emotions conducted his disconsolate mistress to the gates of the tuileries and there took a farewell of her which he had too much reason to fear would be his last at least for a long time he was tempted by his first emotions to seek de coignet and call him to account for the affront he had put upon him and either lose his own life or oblige the other to secrecy but then he considered that there was some probability he would not dare to own that he had given himself any concern about mademoiselle charlotta after the injunction laid on him by his father much less as he had attempted a duel in her cause having as has already been mentioned been before guilty of a like offence against the laws which in that country are very strict on account of madame d'alonne and this prevailed on him to be passive as to what had happened till he should hear how the other would behave and find what turn the affair would take charlotta in the meantime was in the most terrible anxieties she could not imagine what had brought m de coignet who she thought to have been many miles distant so suddenly to paris but on making some private inquiry 
she was informed that having met some difficulty in the execution of his office he had taken post in order to lay his complaints before the king and had arrived that very day she now blamed her own inadvertency in holding any discourse with horatio of a nature not proper to be overheard in a place so public as the tuileries where others as well as he might have possibly been witnesses of what was said young monsieur de coignet suffered little less from the turbulence of his nature and the mortification it gave his vanity to find a person whom he looked upon as in every way his inferior preferred to him his thoughts were wholly bent on revenge but in what manner he should accomplish it he was for some time uncertain when he acquainted his father with the discovery he had made and the resentment he had testified against this unworthy rival as he called him the old gentleman blamed him for taking any notice of it let them love on son said he let them marry we shall then have a fine opportunity of reproaching the haughty baron with his new alliance this did not however satisfy monsieur de coignet all the love he once had for mademoiselle charlotta was now turned into hate and in spite of his father's commands not to meddle in the affair he could not help throwing out some reflections among his companions very much to the disadvantage of the young lady's reputation but these might possibly have blown over as he had but a small time to vent his malice his father knowing the violence of his temper in order to prevent any ill consequences compelled him to return to his employment taking upon himself the management of that business which had brought him so unluckily to paris but mademoiselle de coignet had no sooner been informed by her brother of the discovery he had made than she doubted not that it was on the score of horatio that he had met with such ill success in his courtship and also imagined that it had been owing to some ill impressions mademoiselle charlotta had given the baron de palfoy that her father had been treated by him in the manner already recited she complained of it to the baron de la valliere and told him her whole family had been affronted and her brother rendered miserable for the sake of a young man who said she can neither have birth or fortune to boast of since he has been so long a prisoner without any ransom paid or interposition offered to redeem him the baron was too generous not to vindicate the merits of horatio as much as was consistent with his love and complaisance for his mistress he was notwithstanding very much piqued in his mind that a person to whom he had given the greatest proofs of a sincere and disinterested friendship should have concealed a secret of this nature from him and the more so as he had seemed to expect and desire his confidence from this time forward he behaved to him with a coldness which was sufficient to convince the other of the motive especially as he found mademoiselle de coignet took all opportunities of throwing the most piquant reflections on him it is certain that lady was so full of spite at the indignity she thought her family had received that she could not help whispering the attachment of horatio and charlotta not only at saint-germain but at paris also with innuendoes little less cruel than those her brother had made use of to his companions so that between them the amour was talked of among all who were acquainted with either of them at length the report reached the ears of the baron de palfoy who though he did not immediately give an entire credit to it thought it became him to do everything in his power to silence it 
accordingly he called his daughter to him one day and having told her the liberty which the world took in censuring her conduct on horatio's account commanded her to avoid all occasions of it for the future by seeing him no more the confusion she was in and which she had not artifice wholly to conceal from the penetrating baron more convinced him than all he had been told and there was in reality some tender intercourse between them but resolving to be fully ascertained he said no more to her at that time but dispatched a messenger immediately to st germain desiring horatio to come to him the same day the lover readily obeyed this summons but not without some apprehensions of the motive the hints daily given him joined to the alteration not only in the behaviour of mademoiselle de coignet but likewise of the baron de la valliere gave him but too just room to fear his passion was no longer a secret the father of charlotta received him with great courtesy but nothing of that pleasantness to which he had looked on him ever since he had defended him from the robbers horatio said he i am indebted to you for my life and would willingly make what recompense is in my power for the obligation i have to you think therefore what i can do for you and if your demands exceed not what is fit for you to ask or would become me to grant you may be assured of my compliance the astonishment horatio was in at these words is impossible to be expressed but having an admirable presence of mind my lord answered he i should be unworthy of the favours you do me could i be capable of presuming on them so far as to make any requests beyond the continuance of them no horatio resumed the baron i acknowledge my gratitude has been too deficient since it has extended only to those civilities which are due to your merit exclusive of any obligation the conversation we have had together has hitherto afforded a pleasure to myself and it is with a good deal of mortification that i now find it necessary to break it off i would therefore have the satisfaction of doing something that might convince you of my esteem at the same time that i desire you to refrain your visits not all horatio's courage could enable him to stand this shock without testifying some part of what passed in his mind he was utterly incapable of making any reply though the silence of the other showed he expected it but stood like one confounded and conscious of deserving the banishment he heard pronounced against him at last recollecting himself a little my lord said he i see not how i can be happy enough to preserve any part of your esteem since looked upon as unworthy an honour you were once pleased to confer upon me you affect said the baron a slowness of apprehension which is far from being natural to you and perhaps imagine that by not seeming to understand me i should believe there were no grounds for me to forbid you my house but young man i am not so easily deceived and since you oblige me to speak plain must tell you i am sorry to find you have entertained any projects which if you had the least consulted your reason you would have known could never be accomplished in fine horatio what you make so great a mystery of may be explained in three words i wish you well as a friend but cannot think of making you my son i would recompense what you have done for me with anything but my daughter and as a proof of my concern for your happiness i exclude you from all society with her in order to prevent so unavailing a passion from taking too deep a root ah my lord cried horatio 
perceiving all dissimulation would be in vain the man who once adored mademoiselle de palfoy can never cease to do so he ought therefore replied the baron without being moved to consider the consequences well before he begins to adore if i had been consulted in the matter i should have advised you better but it is now too late and all i can do is to prevent you ever meeting more this horatio is all i have to say and that if in any other affair i can be serviceable to you communicate your request in writing and depend upon its being granted in speaking these last words he withdrew and left horatio in a situation of mind not easy to be conceived he was once about to entreat him to turn back but had nothing to offer which could make him hope would prevail on him to alter his resolution he never had been insensible of the vast disparity there was at present between him and the noble family of de palfoy he could expect no other or rather worse treatment than what he had now received if his passion was ever discovered and had no excuse to make for what himself allowed so great a presumption with a countenance dejected and a heart oppressed with various agitations did he quit the house which contained what was most valuable to him in the world while poor charlotta endured if possible a greater shock the baron de palfoy now convinced that all he had been informed of was true was more incensed against her than he had been on the mistaken supposition of her being influenced in favour of monsieur de coignet he had no sooner left horatio than he flew to her apartment and reproached her in terms the most severe that words could form it was in vain she protested that she never had any design of giving herself to horatio without having first received his permission he looked on all she said as an augmentation of her crime and soon came to a determination to put it past her power to give him more than she had already done early next morning he sent her under the conduct of a person he could confide in to a monastery about thirty miles from paris without even letting her know whither she was being carried or giving her the least notice of her departure till the coach was at the door into which he put her himself with these words adieu charlotta expect not to see paris or me again till you desire no more to see horatio End of chapter 9